Okay, we'd like to welcome you back to our current event and weekly Bible study for November 6, 2011. We're going to go ahead and continue with this tape regarding John Todd and uh, with you know the commentary in between. And we'll go ahead and roll that now. I grew up on the sets. I sat there and I watched the rest of the track, Ouija board being run by demons. Well, we knew that. That's why witches didn't use Ouija boards. We let the Christians use it. So, I read on, but the one thing I could not... See, most witches know not to ever use Ouija boards. I mean, even if you've ever watched any of these shows where, you know, these possessions happen or where a house gets haunted, it's usually, or many, many times, it's after they've used a Ouija board. Um, that it, It's such a demonic um, portal uh, for, for devils and demons to come in and literally... Uh, curse the person doing it, uh, and also for demons to inhabit that literal space that they summon them from. It's absolute, total, pure um, interaction with demons when you use a Ouija board. So, we'll go further. Get over with this hell thing with the flames and the devil, because witches don't believe in the devil. Satanists do, not witches. So I said, ah, oh, this guy's so ripe and he's probably just a dumb Christian. Threw it in the water, walked on. Started going to go back to my apartment, got in the casino building, heard the music coming from one of our nightclubs there called the Club of Quarks, decided to go on over. Nobody there that I knew except the staff, so I went on back and locked the door to the manager's office and I sat down. I said, I gotta think this thing out. I'd like to talk to a Christian. I was talking to a man on the phone today, Jack Chick, and he was going over all the people that he had found in his investigations that were on the Illuminati payroll that were ministers, supposed to be fundamental ministers. And I said, yeah, I know, Jack. As I sat in that manager's office that night, he knew my testimony. I said, my biggest problem was I spent two hours trying to think of a pastor in the town that we did not have on our payoff. Well, they were pastors. That's why I didn't know them, because they weren't on our payoff. And finally, I... Re- so, so in other words, even back in the 70s, it was so common for pastors to be literally on the payroll of the Illuminati... That the work, it's just like when they were in reference to before, where, where they, the governor and the senator, or, or the, uh, the senator and the congressman and the generals that gave him an honorable discharge from the army after he had killed an officer. They weren't necessarily Illuminati, but they were totally bought and paid for by the Illuminati. Remember, the love of money is the root of all evil. So they were on the Illuminati's payroll, and, and they were, a ton of them just in his hometown that were on this payroll of the Illuminati. I mean, I know that sounds incomprehensible, but if it was that bad back then, can you imagine what it is like now? And then you can imagine why you see the horrific things that go on in modern-day pseudo-lukewarm Christianity. I saw this thing the other day. It's where... Uh, good old Smiley Joel Osteen, now, if, if you want to be up close to him, during a service, he's got a special section you can sit in. It's like, I don't know, 140 or 150 bucks a seat to be near him during a service. I mean, of all people, you know, it's just, I can't keep up with all of the unbelievable blasphemous heresy that goes on in the churches now. 
And I would almost guarantee you that the vast majority of these supposed preachers are on the Illuminati's payroll. If it was that bad back in the 70s, again, what, what, what must it be like now? So this is also something very good to bear in mind. Remember that just the night before, one of our witches, which was a prostitute in the area, in downtown San Antonio, had come in screaming in the club Aquarius, and I wasn't in the mood to hear any screaming, particularly from her at the moment, going through withdrawal, but she was complaining that she was going bankrupt. And what the problem was, was her area was over by the Greyhound bus station, and she'd be over there prostituting, and some idiots from a Christian coffee house would come over and preach to the guys, and she would proposition them. I could really put you out of business. I mean, no serviceman's going to walk off with a prostitute with somebody telling them about hell at the same moment. So she decided we had to do something about the place, and I told her to get lost, but I remembered it. And I said, well, that's only eight blocks away. It's only two in the morning. Nobody'd be in bed at two in the morning, which is a nice people, you know. Took off walking on over there. The place had a reputation of its own. Just three months earlier, it had been a burlesque place, a show bar with strippers in it. Baptist preacher said, enough is enough. We don't need this down here. He goes in, jumps up on the bar stool, up on the bar, shoves two strippers in the middle of their act off the bar, and starts preaching. Fifteen minutes later, the two strippers have pulled the curtains down off the wall, wrapped them around them, kneeling down at the bar, giving their hearts to the Lord. They're still Christians to say, by the way. I, I know them. The man and woman that owns the place is praying, giving their hearts to the Lord. Three members of the four-piece band are two of the three bartenders, and about 15 of the customers. That's a quick revival. I like to have that quick. Man, praise the Lord Jesus Christ. You don't really hear testimonies like that anymore. Uh, but, <laughs> I mean, that is awesome. And and that's just the power of the Lord Jesus Christ, that, that something like that could actually happen. So let's go further. So I went on over there. Now, they had turned the time, the deeds to this place when they got saved. This is what I mean about a change in your life. They could have rented the building out. They took the deed, and they gave it to one of the Baptist churches in the area and said, do what you want with it. Just turned it into a Christian coffee house. What better way? So I went over, opened the door, and it was supposed to close at midnight before you signed, but the door was unlocked. So I went on in, and one guy was there, bent over the Coke fountain. You know, they trained, changed the booze over for Coke. That's what some Christians haven't done. And he was sitting there working on the Coke fountain, and I went in, and we started talking. And he started witnessing to me. Now, I have nothing against the four spiritual laws or any set plan like the Roman trail or anything like this. They, they're fine. They've won thousands of souls. But that particular plan didn't mean anything to me. Okay, so what he's in reference to here is the way this guy was witnessing to him initially wasn't, wasn't really speaking to him as a witch. There was a certain... Um, the the um, the way that he had been brought up in generational Luciferian, there was a specific way from a scriptural standpoint that would be best to reach him, and particularly as a witch. And he's going to tell you now what 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 really triggered things to get him saved. Wasn't even interested in it because for mainly I didn't believe totally the word of God, and I wanted something that would deal with my immediate problems, and I wasn't hearing anything. Finally. He realized that he needed some help, so he called up his pastor. Now, as everybody knows, nobody calls their pastor at 3 in the morning, do they? No, just all the time. So he called him up, and the pastor says, Well, we've been praying and fasting for this guy along with some other churches. We'll get right on it. I imagine he probably called up a bunch of people. 
And he come back and said, Now, Lord, this is out of my hands. The man's name was Claude Elmer. He said, This is out of my hands. I don't know the first thing about witchcraft. I don't know the first thing about the devil's kingdom. But you do. And he quoted Luke uh, chapter 10, where the Lord had saw the devil fall from heaven, and we had power over the devil. And he said, Now, you were there when it happened. You educate me right now. What scriptures do I give this man? And he said, I'd like to read you something. He opened his Bible to 2 Timothy 1.7. It is the best scripture in the world to witness to anybody in the occult. Because when you're in the occult, there's one thing that you do not have. You do not have a mind without fear. 24 hours a day, you live in a nightmare world, and you try to convince yourself by brainwashing yourself that you're not unhappy. And he sat there and he said, God can remake your mind and take away the fear. When he said, take away the fear, I said, let So I just want to stop here real quick. And I mean, it's, it's pitiful, really. I mean, it's... When you look at it from his standpoint, it's, I think, seeing it from a witch's standpoint, for me, it would be much... It, it kind of... Uh, it, it's much easier to have compassion on a witch or a wizard, or whatever branch of the occult that they're in, you know, because they're in this bondage. They have no peace. They live in constant fear. It's really pitiful. It really is. I mean, how would you like to live that way? But it's all he'd ever known, you know? I mean, he was brought up this way. And so that verse reads, uh, 2 Timothy 1.7, For God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power, and of love, and of a sound mind. So see, he was used to literally living in this spirit of fear. That was what controlled him. And this was the verse that really spoke to him in his his, his immediate needs. Because remember, he's in withdrawal now. He hasn't been able to escape reality. He hasn't been able to escape this fear. He hasn't been able to get the drugs. And the Holy Spirit's orchestrating all this and working on him to bring him to this point. And this is the Bible verse, specifically, that God gives this Christian brother who's leading him to the Lord. So let's go ahead and continue now. Let's get with this thing right now. And he started praying with me, and he led me in a prayer of salvation. And I remember when I closed, I said, Lord, I want your forgiveness. I want to miss hell. I believe in it now. But I want you to take this fear out of my life. And I said, they're shaking. Scared to death. Somebody's going to walk through the door anytime and see me in this place and report me. I said, Lord, take the fear away. And when I got up out of there... I didn't have any fear. In fact, I walked back, went right on in my apartment, sat down, took a Bible with me. And when I went down the next day, I was reading the Bible, walking into the occult store. The fear was so far gone, I looked at myself killed. When God does it, He does it right. And we've been trying to minister to people in the occult for a long time. We've really been spinning our wheels for five and a half years. We've gotten about 500 people saved. About 50 of them have been killed. When I was here last, we'd been in prayer for two weeks about a new idea that we felt would work. Okay, so, you know, 500 people been saved after he got saved? I mean, he's he's serious, you know. 50 of them been killed. Well, these were most likely, think about it. He's a high-level, generational Luciferian, and the people that he's going to reach are in the same boat he's in. Totally in fear, and... Obviously, there can be repercussions. It's like trying to come out of the mafia uh, for this. So a lot of people had actually been, um, the Illuminati had got to them. But 
it's far more merciful for somebody to uh, somebody's life to be shortened in in um, uh, for them to actually you know be killed even and for them not to burn in hell for eternity than for them to go on in this life of witchcraft further defiling others through whatever spells and incantations they're using and ruining other people's lives and then ultimately just to burn in hell but to have a long life of wickedness. I mean, what's more What's more merciful? So that's something to, to kind of ponder there as well. Let's go ahead and continue. And that was a retreat for the occult to go to. This Monday, on their New Year's Day, could have been arranged better. We didn't do it on purpose, but it was perfect. While their grand druids were meeting... Our rehab center opened. First candidate is already in it. Right now, coming from Maryland, is a girl that's the second most powerful person that had ever left the Illuminati. Philip Rothschild's own girlfriend, teenage girlfriend, leaving left of the occult from the 11th richest family. Okay, that's the end of that tape. And again, it's another thing to think about. Praying specifically for the highest level families in the Illuminati. I mean, if you're going to go after the the uh, the dragon, you might as well go after the head. I mean, I understand we battle not against flesh and blood, okay? But as far as representation on planet Earth, the Rothschilds are at the very top of the food chain. They're the ones that literally take their orders directly from Satan, from the information I've I've been I've seen, literally from Satan manifesting literally before them on a daily basis. Now, granted, obviously I'm not there, but I have heard that account. And the thing is, is you know, I don't think that should be of any real, uh, as far as not, you know, comp- un- uncomprehensible, something like that. Uh, let's go ahead and let's go into the second part here of the, uh, this is tape 6A, we're going to go to tape 6B now, and start there. We found out about the house going to be open before our plan to release the news to the publication tracks. Okay, now this kind of gets off track here, it, it's not exactly picking up exactly where we left off, but it is some other po- important points that we want to look at. And the phone numbers to go with it ever came out, they're not even off the press yet. And the occult world already knows, and it's calling hotline numbers that aren't even published yet. They somehow found the numbers. Another girl was saved two days ago. I don't even know who she is. I'm holding my breath because she knows me. Jack Chick got a call today. Said a girl walked into a Christian bookstore and says, I hear John Todd's still alive. The guy said, yes. He's been alive for five and a half years. And he said, yes, well, if he could be alive for five and a half years, I could be alive for five and a half years. I want to become a Christian and get out. Now, that... Is sweeping. That type of news is sweeping. You may not understand what that means, but if you were in East Berlin trying to get to West Berlin and there was a wall of death between you, you'd know what it means. If they tore that Berlin wall down, you can imagine the East Berliners, how many would be flooding to West Berlin. Well, that wall of fear and death that the Illuminati has so strongly built up has just been shattered. We have done in the last month things on purpose that they have promised the occult world would never happen. Isaac Bonowitz, the Rothschild's own enforcer and one of those 13 top witches, lives in Frisco. He promised that the number one witchcraft city in the United States I would never preach in, San Francisco. 
we preached there two Sundays ago. You've got a lot. So you can see why they would have been after so, so after John Todd. I mean, people were getting saved. People were. I mean, and these weren't just. I'm not saying that anyone's soul is more important than than another, but as far as from a satanic standpoint, these people were doing much more. They were serving Satan at a much higher level, doing more demonic damage than the average person, let's say, that would just get saved, that was living a semi-normal life. These people were doing maximum amount of damage on Satan's behalf, in other words. So, these are people that, if you could convert them into a Christian, if, if they could become converted, all of that damage that they had been doing would would be... That wouldn't be happening anymore. That would be stopped, and then they could actually be used as instruments or tools of righteousness now. So from a satanic standpoint, these would be the last people on the planet that Satan would want to be want to see or be converted. So it was doing a lot of damage, and this might have had a lot to do with their timetable getting pushed back. Because uh, remember what I would said, they had really wanted to try to implement the New World Order around 1980 to 1984. It did not happen. There was a lot of things happening in that time frame, and he was part of it to hopefully, or at least play a part in pushing that back. So that's something else to kind of think about here. I'm explaining to do, and the word is getting around. We need your prayers. There's a revival breaking open in the occult world now. They've gotten the word. There's a way out. I'm just going to have to start praying for three or four more buildings. Because if this car load gets here, we're not going to have much more room. we got a four-bedroom house. It can fill up pretty quick. With a bunch of witches in it. So, by the way, we need your prayers just for that. You've never been in a situation where you have about 15 witches all around you at one time, all with different problems. My poor wife, she couldn't come with me tonight because she's studying up trying to get this one girl through it right now. So we do need your prayers. I want to thank the people who did take envelopes and send them. I think something like 500 envelopes were taken that night and we received them. But those 10 helped get that house open. And I want to thank the people who sent them. But I'm asking your prayers. We need your prayers. Now, if the pastor comes up, I want to say a couple words. You may not be in witchcraft. You may not think that this message has anything to do with you. But you're missing the whole point. I was in a world where it was impossible to become a Christian. And Jesus made me one. I was by one of the girls that I used to live with when I was in the occult world recently. She was at a very important witchcraft meeting that we happened to find out about, and I pulled into the parking lot for a few minutes to see who was there. And she walked by the car and had a couple of Christian brothers with me. She looked in the car and just smiled and kept on walking, never recognized me. That's the difference between the way I am now and the way I was then. When the Lord changes you, He totally changes you. Now, we give our testimony for several reasons, to show that no matter what, whether you were raised a Christian and you, you know, all your life, or you were raised in the worst frame of life, it's still the same miracle. God still saves you just the same. Sometimes I think it's harder to get the PKs and the Christian kids saved than it is the witches. But at the same time, we try to flag you down from going the same direction we went, with drugs. You'll never know the feeling to lose so many friends that should be with you today and so many loved ones because of drugs that we kept convincing ourselves was all right. This isn't some preacher getting up here and telling you that's never been in it. I wished I had a half hour to talk about the worst thing that the occult world ever planned out and carried out. That's called rock music. But I'm going to say two quick things. Parents, the rock music does not belong to you. 
your kids, if your kids are in your home, it belongs to you and you're answerable for it. And if you want to believe they're garbage, that it's all right, and you want to forget things like Kiss saying that their real name is Kings and Satanic Service, and that rock music is actually satanic spells being cast and being planned by the Satanist Church, and that's a direct quote, then you go right on ahead. Right now, the Manson, one of the Manson... So the rock music is literally spells, was developed to cast spells, and literally is spells being cast over... You know, the people literally listening to it. And that's what it was developed for. And he, and of all people, he'll give you a lot of the testimony regarding that. And, and um, he was the head of, um, the president of Zodiac uh, Records or Productions or whatever, which was one of the main, if not the main organization over uh, the uh, formation of, of rock music at the time that he was living. So, he's got a, he's really got a lot of, of testimony in that particular area that he can share, and he, and he will. Family girls in trial, and she said the number one thing that the occult world used to brainwash them was Beatle music and rock music. If you want to leave it in your home, I won't go in. The Beatles. The, Beatle, the Beatles music was one of the main things that were, were brainwashing this particular girl and brainwashing humanity. I mean, you look at the Beatles' albums... You can look at the back of that one particular album they, they had. I don't know if it's Sgt. Pepper's or whatever. And Aleister Crowley is on the back of the album as one of their heroes. Aleister Crowley, the 666 beast man, the, the you know, said he was the wickedest man on the planet. Bragged about all the um, human sacrifices he had performed and all the little boys and girls that, that he had, you know, sexually molested and then killed in satanic ceremonies. I mean, you name it, that guy did it. He was on the back of the Beatles album. If, if, I can't even repeat what the Beatles said about Jesus Christ. I mean, I, I don't even want to repeat it. It was so blasphemous. So, and then how they brought tr what they call TM, Transcendental Meditation, to America through the um, Hindu yogis that they followed. And how a lot of that was blended into their music as well. I mean, the Beatles were, were straight from the pit of hell. The rock music was was just a one of Satan's mightiest uh, tools that he's ever used in the last, uh, however, you know, since his inception. So again, he'll get further into that the more we go here. The details why you can't, but if you want to leave it in your home and all the demons that it attracts, fine. If you want your kids to buffalo you, then it's all right. But I recommend you go home today, get a cardboard box. And break the records and burn those covers and get it out of your home. And you'd be surprised at how fast your kids come around after they finish throwing their two-year-old tantrum. But I wish that I had the time more on rock music, but believe me, it is the work carefully planned out in the occult world. We spent $8 million to produce Jesus rock music and paid the man who started it named Chuck Smith just because Christians were destroying rock music and we were afraid that it would be banned from the Christian church. Whoa, now that was a big mouthful. Eight million dollars they spent to, to start Jesus Rock and Chuck Smith of what, Calvary Chapel way back when? And that is where it all started. Yeah. And he was on their payroll and I guarantee he still is. So, <laughs> you know, you could say I don't believe it. Well, why would he say that? What, what would he have... What would he have to gain by saying that? 
You know? And the thing is, is you can document this. You can verify this. That that is, you know, one of the main places that it did start. We carefully put it in the form of Christian rock music. So if they would spend $8 million to keep rock music in your hands, then the hardcore rock must be even worse. And it is. I'm going to... Okay, Pastor. I don't mind. I drove all day so I could say these things. I have a... I was the manager of Zodiac Productions, which Zodiac Productions' name's been changed since then. I'm not even sure what to call it now, but it's the largest music conglomerate in the world. It owns RCA Records, Columbia Records, Motown Records, owns almost all the concert booking agencies in the United States. And that's not even the, the name of the company that owns it. The name of the company that owns it is Brenner Enterprises, and Brenner Enterprises is owned by Chase Manhattan. Chase Manhattan's owned by Standard Oil, and Standard Oil's owned by the Lords of London. You can track it on back. You kind of get the idea after a while. But I was the managing president of Zodiac Productions. It was one of my jobs as being one of these 13 people. Thus, I got to know many of the people who produce music and sing the music and play the music that you play. Recently, one of the top people in rock music from the group, um, um, I can't think of the name of the group now, is one of the top rock groups still in existence that's been around a long time, was just saved. And he told how when they play in their concerts, they would control the witchcraft spells in their mind, the people to do different things in the audience. And they'd work the audience up, not with their music, but with their mind and their music combination. Now, one of the closest friends that I got during that time that I obtained was a man named David Crosby, Crosby Still Nation Young. I saw David the day before Christmas last year, talked with him. I got him away from this witch that he had with him. He told her to go shopping. We were in West Hollywood, and I was witnessing around the people I knew. We went off in the store and we started talking. I said, David, I'd like to ask you a couple questions. I said, I already know the answers, but I've been gone for five years. I'd like to know if certain things are still the way they were when I left. I said, did they... Now, I'll have to explain some of this when I'm done, because you're not going to understand it all unless you know something about music. I said, did they still take the master to the temple room? Dave said, yeah. I said, did they still have the colon conjure demons into the master? He said, of course. I said, no, i got to know something. What's the main reason for rock music? He said, come on, Lance, you know what the reason is. I said, please, David, I don't want to guess. Tell me what the main reason is. He said, the same as when you were in, so that we can place spells on people that we couldn't cast spells upon. I'll explain what that means in a minute. I said, okay, one last thing. I've been hearing that you must be an initiated witch now to get a record contract. He said, that's right. He said, many of us that weren't total witches have to be witches now in order to produce music. Thank you. The master is a tape about as big as the top of this podium that looks like an overgrown 8-track that the album is cut on and is placed in a machine that produces and presses the records and the 8-tracks and cassettes that you buy. After it's been recorded, it's taken in. This is why a master's cut months in advance before it's released. On the full moon, it's taken in to a temple room about the size of this auditorium that is in every one of the major music companies behind locked doors up in the executive offices. And it's placed on an altar, setting in the north of the room, and a pentagram engraved in the floor. And 13 hand-chosen witches and wizards and a coven come in and conjure a principality or a power-up, usually Regia or something like that, and order him to tell the demons under him to follow every record and every taste coming off of that master. As I tell many Christian parents, you can go home and count your kids' records, probably yours too. 
and count how many demons at least are there. If that's too hard for you to believe, I'm sorry. That's why they do it. Now listen to me. This is why rock music is addicting. Have you ever seen kids that got rid of their music? They go around like this. They can't wait to find a rock station somewhere and they sneak off just like getting a cigarette or a fix because it's addicting. That's why they can't give it up. The rest of the conversation was this. You can't cast a spell on a Christian, but you can get a Christian to cast a spell on themselves. If you give the permission for the spell to work, being a Christian won't block it. And rock music is not just a song. It is supernatural music that which is carefully designed by their spirit guides or familiar spirits in the form of spells. Now, although the devil's music's par is the music and God's music is the words, much of the songs are written in what we call witch language. Give you kind of an idea. You talk, on, many of you talk on a CB, unless you know what, you, what a smoky is, and uh, a 10-4, and uh, uh, a front door and back door and rocking chair and these type of things, you don't know what you're talking about. Same with witches. When you're in the first or second level, you have to learn over 2,000 words that said by anybody else means something totally different than when you say them. Elton John has said he's never written a song or sung a song that wasn't in which language. Now I want to show you something. See, I mean, Elton John said that. Never written a song that wasn't in which language. I mean, what they're basically saying is that, and this was back in the 70s, that in order to cut a record deal with, and essentially, you know, this is basically, it's like going to Satan and making a deal with Satan, and, you know, fame, women, wine, the whole nine yards, this is what they're doing when they cut these record deals. And they're, it's like they're selling their soul to Satan. Not to say that they weren't already Satans, but this is actually making it official. And um, that, that the rock music is being used in this regard, has been used in this regard for a long time ago. And remember also what he had said about, um, he's saying you can't cast a spell on a Christian but you can get a Christian to cast a spell on themselves, a, a real born-again Bible-believing Christian. Now, again, most of the time I think that there's so many areas where the average Christian is being destroyed for lack of knowledge, it's very probably easy to cast a spell, because they're probably doing it to themselves half the time, and they don't even know it. So that's just something to bear in mind. How, you, in your prayer life, you can pray, you know, Lord, show me the ways that I am being literally destroyed for lack of knowledge, or the ways that I'm ignorant of Satan's devices and that he is getting an advantage over me. As 2 Corinthians 2.11 says, that we're not supposed to be ignorant of Satan's devices lest he get an advantage of us. If you think about it, from the aspect of the Christians that he's talking about in this tape, that's what he's talking about. All the ways Satan is getting an advantage over Christians that they're not aware of. And this is a big reason why this ministry exists, so that we can get educated on those points. I mean, this is just a fascinating educational tool regarding that particular subject. Kids in here beyond and adults, how many remember and have heard at least several times a song called Hotel California? Somebody tell me what it meant. Quickly, somebody tell me what it meant. Huh? That's pretty close. But from the words, what did it mean? Well, that's more of a guess. See, most people can't tell you. That's why when people do drugs and they listen to songs in which language, they get some of the meaning. But most of the time, they can't tell you. Stop and think how many songs are out there that you really like, and you don't have any idea what the person was talking about. Beyond the Yellow Brick Road? How about The Destroyer by Kiss? Can anybody tell me what it's about? Kiss said in it, kids, tell your parents. 
They're talking about Helter Skelter. Beatles sung Helter Skelter in which language nobody knew what it meant. Manson did because he belonged to the process. Helter Skelter is a several, several thousand year old word. And they're believing that it's going to happen in a year from now, from this very date. Most of the music is either about Helter Skelter or a place called the Night Winds, which is what Hotel California is about, and different doctrines of witchcraft. You listen to them, your parents let you listen to them, and they have no idea. Kids openly brag how they were gaining control of people through their music because the people played their music. They told how they didn't form their own group. Their church, because they were ordained ministers of the Satanist church, placed them together. And that's how most of the music is done. David Crosby, when him and Crosby, Still Nash and Young, produced the record Two-Way Street, they ordered the Principality of Medes to order Demons of Rebellion to go into the record, and everybody that heard it would be rebellious against law and order and government. And it was one of the reasons for the great upheaval in the 60s was that one album, and they take open credit for it. I can go on all night, but that's mainly it. Parents, get this stuff in and destroy it now. I guarantee you, your kids will straighten up. They may pout for a while, but they'll straighten up. <laughs> okay? Sorry. So. so I just had to break it to Taylor that she's got to go destroy all of her her satanically rock rock albums and all that stuff that I bought her for Christmas, Xmas last year, and uh, the previous Xmases and Ishtar and all the pagan holidays we celebrate. And, and she's really taking it hard. She's in a fetal position. It's, it's not pretty. No, just kidding. Sorry. I mean, it's, it's almost comical to her and I because, I mean, we, you know, we kind of... This is, this is a, a fascinating look at this particular subject. Um, nothing that we're dealing with personally, but it just confirms that, you know how evil and how powerful this stuff is. It's literally, you would, you would be, um, it's, it's really would be no different than you bringing a satanic Bible into your house and having it on your mantle than it is for you to go out and buy these rock albums. And, and, and I mean, I include the Christian rock in this as well. I don't, I'm not saying it may not be as quite of a powerful form as like, let's say going out and buying Metallica or Kiss. Maybe it's just the same. I mean, the demons are demons, uh, there are different, I believe, uh, strength levels of different devils, demons, fallen angels, and things of this nature. Uh, but it's all evil. It's all an abomination. And he had mentioned Chuck Smith, and I just want to read a little bit. And this is just from this is just documentation regarding that whole particular time frame in regard to the Jesus movement, the Jesus music, uh, how Calvary Chapel and Chuck Smith played a part in that, and I'm just reading this from Wikipedia, uh, regarding Calvary Chapel, this is under the, the heading of the Jesus Movement, unlike many other Christian movements, there was no single leader figurehead of the Jesus Movement, some of the larger names included Dwayne Penderson, Jack Sparks, who led the world Christian World Liberation Front, as well as Lonnie Frisbee, who worked for a long time with Chuck Smith, founder of the Calvary Chapel Movement. Now, if you click on Lonnie Frisbee, Lonnie Frisbee, was an American Protestant Pentecostal evangelist and self-described, quote, scene prophet and mystic. That's always a good thing if you're a mystic Christian, born-again mystic Christian. Anyway, and mystic in the late 1960s and 70s, despite or, or possibly because of his hippie appearance and being a man who struggled with homosexuality, he had a notable success as a minister and evangelist, especially in the Signs and Wonders faith movement of the 1970s and 80s. And this is who Chuck Smith was choked up with. 
Okay? Contemporary accounts attributed his accomplishments to his incredible anointing of the Holy Spirit. Okay? This is a man totally demon-possessed to the toenails, and but he's got this incredible anointing of the Holy Spirit? No, it's not. It's a false spirit. It is a false, counterfeit, unholy spirit that's trying to counterfeit the real thing. Remember, a tree is known by its fruit. This man produced rotten fruit. I mean, the, the man was a sodomite homosexual. He was a mystic. He was involved in, in the whole, you know, seeking after signs and wonders. And, the, and Jesus Christ said, a wicked and adulterous generation seeketh after a sign. I'm not saying God can't do signs and wonders. I'm saying that if they're happening, though, they better line up with the word of God. And they, and they need to be done, and they should be done as biblical parameters lay out in decency and in order. Okay, Most of the time what goes on in the charismatic movement is not done in decency and in order. He's going to specifically talk also about the charismatic movement. Going further here, Frisbee was a key figure in the Jesus movement and an eyewitness accounts of his ministry documented in the 2007 Emmy-nominated film Frisbee, The Life and Death of the Hippie Preacher, uh, explain how Frisbee, his name is Frisbee, like the Frisbee you throw around the yard. Anyway, explain how Frisbee became a charismatic spark igniting the rise of Chuck Smith's Calvary Chapel and the Vineyard Movement, also a totally corrupted um, Pentecostal type movement, or charismatic. Uh, two worldwide denominations and among the la- largest evangelical denominations to emerge in the last 30 years. You have to understand, virtually all the denominations... Worldwide, anything that that has a governing body, which really is that really biblical? How many times do we go in the New Testament and see, oh, well, there's this governing body, uh, this corporate uh, nonprofit five hundred one c three governing governing body that's yoked up with the government that oversees all these churches? In the New Testament, typically, what you're seeing is some uh, churches that were autonomous, and yes, they may have had. Um, Certain apostles go there and, and, and things of this nature and, um, to oversee things and, and to appoint elders and deacons and pastors or bishops and those types of things. But they didn't have this big, gigantic corporate structure because I believe the, the reason that wasn't set up this way is because God knew the corruption that would set in if you had that type of structure. Absolute power corrupts absolutely. And if you have a governing body... Over, what do you think Satan's going to target? Do you think he's going to target the autonomous churches? No, he's going to target the governing body so that it can corrupt everything because if the head is sick, the whole body's going to be sick. Virtually all the denominations have been corrupted in this manner. And this is why I believe that he was in an independent fundamental Baptist church because independent fundamental Baptist churches should be independent. In other words, they're not like the Southern Baptists that, that have a, a big-time governing body over them like all the other denominations. They should be, and this, is, this was the area that I gravitated to after I came out of the hyper-charismatic movement. Because, I, I, listen, I, I've been there, done it. <laughs> Pentecostal to the, to the hyper-hyper-charismatic, and then into the independent, fundamental, King James-only, unregistered, non-501c3 church. Because I, I looked at it and I said, well, if there was one church that could be closest to being biblically correct, this seems to be the one. The, the problem is, is, is 
being in that for as long as I was, I realized how blind they were on a ton of different levels. But again, I can't broad brush every single one of them. I'm just saying the ones I was in. Uh, they were blind on very many levels, just like a lot of other churches. Do I think it's a definite step up from something like, you know, a uh, charismatic church? Sure. Or, or some uh, care, lukewarm Methodist or, or uh, Lutheran church where you can't even get saved? Well, sure, yeah. But again, they are leavened. And this is why it's so hard when people email me and they say, well, where do we go? I, I, I don't know. I don't know what to tell you. I, I, because if I tell you the wrong thing, then I'm responsible for that before God, and I don't want to point you in the wrong direction. The biggest thing I tell people to do is to pray and fast and get into the Word of God and see where He leads you. Unfortunately, there's so much leaven right now, I don't know where to point people. I really don't. There's just, you know, the, the, there's just not a, a whole bunch of options out there. So, um, this was a, uh, this guy was yoked up with Chuck Smith, Calvary Chapel, and um, it was said that he was not, this is about this Lonnie Frisbee, he was not one of, it was said he was not one of the hippie preachers, there was one. The term power evangelism comes from Frisbee's ministry, some of his harshest critics for the heavy use of the Holy Spirit and the gifts of the Spirit came from churches he helped to found. This, this, this guy's going around found, uh, being a founder of churches? The man was a demon-possessed homosexual that was operating under the gift or curse of the counterfeit unholy spirit. A tree is known by its fruit. This man was reaping rotten fruit from the very, very beginning. Totally unbiblical. And he's going around found, found, being a founder of churches? And then it goes on to say he also influenced many prophetic evangelists called uh, one of them Jonathan Land, Mark DuPont, Jill Austin, and others. Frisbee co-founded the House of Miracles commune. Oh good, a commune. The House of Miracles. I'm sure there was no problems with that, theologically. And it was, and he was the main architect, converting many. Um, the House of Miracles grew into a series of 19 communal houses that later migrated to Oregon to form Shiloh Youth Revival Centers. Remember, a lot of these people that, that were part of this Jesus movement were literally hippies, drug-taking hippies that came out of the hippie movement of the 60s. Now, I'm not saying they can't be saved, but I'm saying if they're going into a movement like this that's already totally leavened, it's not a really good combination. And it's not like they're going to know any better. Frisbee functioned as both an evangelical preacher, also privately socialized as a gay man before and during his evangelism career. He hadn't been converted. This guy hadn't been saved. Again, what John Todd said, you know, if you get saved and there's not an immediate change, and I don't mean you start to live in sinless perfection. The only one that ever did that was Jesus Christ. But there should be a change taking place. You're, uh, behold, you're a new creature in Christ. Old, old things, you know, pass away. And, and there should be a change in your behavior patterns. Well, obviously there was no change in his. But yet he put on this veneer of being Mr. Preacher. Which is so common that, that we see this in ministry. 
Um, and then he goes on to say, this is held in tension with the fact that he said in interviews that he never believed homosexuality was anything other than a, any other sin in God's eyes. And both denominations prohibited gay sexual behavior, evidently the denominations that he was in. Uh, both churches later disowned him because of his active sexual sexual lifestyle, removing him first from leadership positions, and then ultimately firing him. So, you know, I guess they ultimately end up... He died of AIDS in 1993. So, I mean, this is... A, I'm sorry, it's, it's a wicked, wicked guy. And he's at literally the... the uh, he's here at the inception of this Jesus movement and this Jesus music. Okay, so... Going first here, Frisbee was the key evangelist during the growth of the Calvary churches. Now, again, the Bible says, if the foundations be destroyed, what can the righteous do? Psalm 11, verse 3. Well, the foundation, obviously, of this Jesus movement, of this Jesus music, which, again, John Todd just talked about them paying $8 million back in the early 70s in order to get started and rolling so Christians could actually literally put a curse on themselves. It was pretty important to them. And if the foundations be destroyed, what can the righteous do? It was obviously corrupted from its very inception. Um, what's his name? Chuck Smith, founder of Calvary Chapel, was paid off from the very beginning. <laughs> I mean, it's a total abomination. Smith was one of the few pastors who welcomed in the hippies after coming to faith. Now, I don't have a problem welcoming in the hippies after coming to faith, but if it's done in a uh, atmosphere of total biblical leaven, and and if you're a basically an Illuminati frontman that's been paid off, there's a huge problem there, obviously. Uh, these people came eventually came to be known as the Jesus people and thus allowed the dramatic future growth of the affiliate church network. Uh, Sparks and Penderson later became priests in the Eastern Orthodox Church. So, okay, these are some of the guys that were in the uh, Jesus movement from the beginning, okay, Sparks and Penderson, Dwayne Penderson and Jack Sparks, okay, they later became Eastern Orthodox priests in the church. Okay, that's a denomination that's leading a ton of people to hell. You're not going to be saved if you're in that. So if you had got into it, and you were followers of them, and you kept following them, well, then you're just going to end up going into the Eastern Orthodox Church, which is just going to take many more millions of people to hell. Well, Satan's objective is accomplished. That's how it all works. And then it goes on to say the International Potter's uh, House Church was birthed out of the International Church of the Four Square Gospel. Okay, Four Square Church, started by Amy Semple McPherson, a wicked wicked woman that I've done several studies on, uh, heavily relates to uh, New Age Doctrine and Lord Maitreya. Uh, again, I, I can't rehash all of that now, but she was the one that, that started Foursquare. And a lot of people to this day are in that movement, and it was leavened from its very inception by, you know, here here we have Amy Simple McPherson starting this, and again, I've proven in, in, in just the documentation that exists, the woman was wicked and evil. So how can you have somebody who's wicked and evil start a Christian supposed denomination, and I don't see any Bible at all for denominations either. Sorry, I just don't. I don't say see any of that. They were just called Christians. They were first called Christians, the Bible says, in Acts, in Antioch. It doesn't refer to them anything more than that. Okay? So there's not all this Bible for all these different denominations. And, and, and 
the Bible even makes reference to this where, you know, some people say, I am of Paul and I am of Apollos. And the Bible, the writers in the New Testament that are saying that condemn that practice, saying, well, you know, it would be wrong for anybody to go around and say, you know, I am of this ministry and I am of that ministry. The Bible says, cursed be the man that trusteth in man and that maketh flesh his arm and whose heart departed from the Lord, Jeremiah 17, 5. Okay, so, so I tell people, don't follow me. You're not a convert, you know, you're, you're, you're not like, you know, Scott Johnsonite or whatever. Okay, please don't do that. Follow the word of God. Get into the word of God. And the King James Bible, in the English-speaking language, and let that be your standard. Let the Lord Jesus Christ be the one you follow. Okay, if I can help point you in the right direction, great. Praise the Lord. Uh, but I'm not here to... to uh, Build a denomination or a uh, church that is that you know where people are literally following me. Okay, we follow the Lord Jesus Christ. So this International Potter's Church was birthed out of the International Church of the Four Square Gospel, a church movement based in Los Angeles, where Chuck Smith, uh, the pastor of Calvary Chapel, received his early theological training. So there's more leaven in his training. And again, how much of these people were literally commissioned by the Illuminati from their very in beginning, I guarantee you a high percentage. From what I've seen, the number one job that people that that uh, the Illuminati tries to get people involved with, if they're in a coven, is you know the pastor of a church, uh, some you know deacons, whatever. They're trying to get people in the Illuminati into those churches to leaven those, to create division, to create chaos, to split churches. Um, you name it. That's what. That's one of the most sought-out positions that, that they try to uh, gravitate to. So, again, and if you were Satan, wouldn't you probably, that would be a kind of an, a, a, an intelligent way to approach things. So let's go further here. So, when I click on Jesus music, now remember, this is what the Illuminati paid $8 million originally to get, to get going, to get started. It was that important to them. It's evolved into the Christian rock the Christian, so much of what the uh, Christian music industry has evolved into, started right here. Started. And, and again, he's already addressed that. Jesus music, known as gospel beat music in the United Kingdom, is a style of Christian music which originated on the west coast of the United States in the late 60s and early 70s, in other words, California. The musical genre developed into a parallel, parallel with the Jesus movement. Okay, so they're hand in hand. It outlasted the movement that spawned it, and the Christian music industry began to eclipse it and absorb its musicians around 1975. So, again, they get into here, Jesus music primarily began in population centers where the music was gaining momentum. Southern California, especially Costa Mesa, which is where Calvary Chapel is out of, Chuck Smith, San Francisco, Seattle, and Chicago. Uh, large numbers of hippies and street musicians began converting to born-again Christianity. How many of these conversions were really real? I don't know. I'm not saying they were all weren't real. But their conversions, supposed conversions, were ones based out of leaven. The Illuminati was the one that was instrumental paying $8 million to get all this going. They wanted this music propagated. So, again, 
Uh, that's something to really bear in mind when you talk about this. A number of these conversions, especially in Southern California, was due largely to the outreach of Lonnie Frisbee, the guy that we just mentioned, the total uh, sodomite homosexual guy, mystic, demon-possessed devil. Okay, so these conversions were due to some, I mean, again, it's like, you know, bad to bad to bad. It, it's, it's really not something that you would want to see from a biblical standpoint. So, they were largely due to the outreach, these conversions of Lonnie Frisbee and Pastor Chuck Smith of Calvary Chapel in Costa Mesa, who was yoked up with this guy. In the aftermath of such conversions, these mu- musicians continued playing the same styles of music that they had been playing prior to their conversion. In other words, there was no change that took place. They just changed the words a little bit and kept playing the same style of rock 60s music, which we know is satanic. Okay, And again, this is how our whole modern day Christian rock, whether, whether it's light rock, hard rock, whatever... This is where it got started. And it was all by design, bought and paid for by the Illuminati. Again, if the foundations be destroyed, what can the righteous do? I mean, this is pretty important stuff we're going over here. Going further, um, and I wasn't even planning on reading this, but I mean, it, it really relates to this teaching. They were playing the same style of music they'd been playing prior to their conversion, but now they infuse their lyrics with the Christian message. Most of these early bands gigged, that's a good word, gigged. We need to all use that word this week multiple times, just kidding. Uh, Most of these early bands gigged, is that like frog gigging? Anyway, they gigged whenever asked. Usually for whatever money that could be collected by the passing of a hat or a basket. This was known as a love offering. Ah, that's where we get the word love offering from, evidently. Few, if any, made a living from playing in the years of 1970 to 73, nor did they expect to. Most viewed the music as a means of sharing their newfound faith and encouraging listeners to commit their lives to Jesus, no matter what the sacrifice. Now, again, I'm not saying all of these people were not saved. I'm not saying they're all, you know, agents of Satan or the Illuminati, but... The bottom line is the movement had already been heavily leavened. So if they had been in a movement that hadn't been heavily heavily leavened, how much more could they have done, even if they were born again? That's the point I'm trying to make. Of the many bands and artists that came out of this time period, some became leaders within the Jesus movement. Most notably among them, Larry Norman, Barry McGuire... Love Song, Second Chapter of Acts, Randy Stonehill, Randy Matthews, and during the mid-70s, Keith Green. Most of them, I, I don't even have a clue who they are. Uh, so, and, and again, it goes on and on and on. I don't want to get too far into this. I just want to kind of emphasize that. A lot of people have emailed me over the years about Chuck Smith and um, Calvary Chapel and Costa Mesa and this whole thing. <laughs> this doesn't... It's not looking real good for Chuck Smith uh, regarding... Uh, what associations he's had and uh, uh, not looking good at all. And again, I could do a whole teaching on him. It's just hard. There's just so many things to try to cover and and things to... uh, uh, There's just not enough hours in the day anymore. So I'm going to go ahead and end uh, this part here and we're going to go to the next part. Actually, no, you know what? I'm going to go ahead and try to play a little bit more because I'm going to try to get the end of this tape in and then we'll go to part three next. Okay, so I'm going to start here and uh, 
or I skipped a little bit ahead. This is like a Q&A session right now that he's getting into. He's, he's taking various questions from the audience of the church he was speaking at. Black Sabbath. Talking about the music group or a Black Sabbath? Well, the music group got its name from it. A Black Sabbath is a witch's Sabbath. Okay? It comes eight times a year. Beltane, if I can get the first part, Bell, Beltane is their New Year's Day. That was May 1st. Okay? Halloween is Shaham. That was also one of theirs. There's eight of them, okay? And they come around the year, and it's more or less their big party day. Their super, super day. Now, if they're in the human sacrifice, they also do human sacrifice at the time. But it's a big time to have an orgy and a big drug party and this type of thing that everybody wiped out. That's the witch's Sabbath. No? Well, not the Satanist church, but the witchcraft church is. Uh, a very, very powerful witch has a song out about witchcraft now called The Force. His name is Tom T. Hall. Uh, I just heard a very sick song recently. Somebody let me hear. It was by Tammy Wynette. And it was talking about Jesus Christ appearing on um, Midnight Special or something like Saturday Night something. Anyway, I'm afraid that if he appeared on that rock show, he'd probably bring the Cat of Nine Tails along with him. But um, there are some of the music. If it wasn't for witchcraft being behind rock music, I hate the country the most. Because I don't see how Christians can listen to it when it's talking about adultery, fortification, getting drunk, cutting people up, running around with everybody else's wife, and things like this. And that's all I ever hear on it. Okay? When? Mm-hmm. Well, that's what they were referring to. Yeah, they did. No, I'm not going to tell you. Okay? I believe uh, Vic named Russ. Okay, I'm just going to stop that for a second. I just did a quick keyword search for Tom T. Hall. And... In YouTube, on the videos, these are these are what came up as far as the the uh, searches. Tom T. Hall, watermelon wine. Tom T. Hall, I like beer. Tom T. Hall, faster horses. Tom T. Hall, sneaky snake. Uh, Tom T. Hall, a week in the country jail. I mean, you know, really good, wholesome, wholesome stuff here uh, that we're looking at here. Okay, so I found this song that he's in reference to. Uh, Tom T. Hall, May the Force Be With You Always. Now, if you remember, in Star Wars, that was how, you know, May the Force Be With You. Now, Star Wars was a total, and I, I, I've heard uh, uh, John Todd talk about Star Wars, how it is an absolute total show based on witchcraft, that the actors that were in it were, were, were witches, uh, I mean, it was a total brainwashing witchcraft tool set in a sci-fi um, background here. May the force be with you is the way when witches um, many times greet one another or, or leave one another. This is something that they say. They'll also say, blessed be. But may the force be with you is actually a witchcraft saying. And here it is. Uh, this Tom T. Hall guy, I just started listening to the very, very uh, start of the song here. And here's a guy, it's a country western singer. Uh, it peaked, this song, May the Force Be With You, peaked on the hot Billboard 100 country charts at number 13 in 1977. Now, I believe when this talk was, was probably 1977, 1978. So it would be around the same time frame when John Todd was actually speaking. And here, he, he totally outs this guy. As a high-level witch singing this song, Tom T. Hall, and it's "May the Force Be With You." I mean, it totally makes sense if you if you start to connect the dots 
this stuff starts to become so flagrantly obvious that there's no way you can can deny it. I mean, is this are these all just a strange uh, set of coincidences? All of this, these things, these dots that we're connecting, I, I don't think so. Okay, on this note, I had uh, the uh, couple that were instrumental in us getting up here into North Carolina. They um, had me uh, look up this song not too long ago. And this really relates to what we're talking about here. Now, this is a song that if you're, I guess, I don't know, probably at least 30 years old, you've probably heard many times. This would be like a song they might play like now as elevator music or... Uh, on like uh, oldies or uh, light Christian rock, whatever type of station. But it's Barry Manilow, okay? Cheesy, cheesy Barry Manilow. Anyway, it's I Write the Songs, one of his most popular, if not the most popular song he ever wrote, okay? And when I saw the words to this, and literally the link here, and I'll, I'll put the link on this PDF, I can't, I couldn't believe what I was seeing. More confirmation of what we're talking about today heavily relates to this particular study today. I'm going to play some of this and, and kind of light in the background, and I'm going to in the the words. I'm going to go ahead and um, if you're not get, catching them all, I'm going to stop and read them for you, so you can understand what he's actually really um, what's really being said here. So he says, I've been alive forever and I've wrote the very first song. I put the words and melodies together. I am music and I write the songs. I write the songs that make the whole world sing. I write the songs of love and special things. I write the songs that make the young girls cry. I write the songs, I write the songs. Now who's ever doing this says, I've been alive forever. My hope lies, my home lies deep within you. And I've got my own place in your soul. And when I look out through your eyes, I'm young again, even though I'm very old. Now that, that's pretty creepy, okay? But if it was a demon or a devil, and in this case, Lucifer, okay, which is really what this song is about, I've been alive forever, I've got a place deep within your soul. And when I look out through your eyes, you know, even though I'm very old, I feel young again even though I'm very old. I mean, this is, this is mega creepy here. It's in regard to Lucifer and his devils, and they're, they're the ones that are literally behind these songs that we're in reference to. 
And again, it's the same lyrics here. Okay, now again, if this was regarding true biblical Christian music, it would not be the songs that make the whole world sing. Okay, Bible-believing Christianity is is a is exclusive. It's not it doesn't apply to the vast majority of the people. It is not the broad way which leadeth to destruction and many there be that go there at. It is the straight way which leadeth to life eternal. So, this song in the way it's written, all you would have to really do is look at the lyrics to understand it's not of God. So that's another thing that that you know, is important regarding this particular song. Then he goes on to say, Oh, my music makes you dance and gives you spirit to take a chance. And I wrote some rock and roll so you can move. And it gives you the spirit to take a chance. It gives What it does is it gives you the demonic spirits to make a stupid decision, to take a chance. Because... Rock and roll, rock music, secular music in general, what what does it stir? It stirs our emotions. I mean, listen, I grew up immersed in it. My parents, if there was any one thing they were obsessed with, it was music. I grew up in this stuff. My dad had a stereo system. There was one of only ten in the world when when um he had a meet what they call a media room, and there was one of only ten in the world. He had it was Thirty, forty thousand dollars in the stereo alone. Okay, very, very, very high end. Not something you're going to go up to Radio Shack and buy. I'm talking something that you know had to be custom ordered, custom built, the whole nine yards. So, and they had hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of CDs. Um, before that, it was albums. You name it. So, I'm somebody that grew up immersed in this stuff. I've, I've got a pretty good comprehension of, of this particular subject. So, I wrote some rock and roll so you can move. Music fills your wicked heart. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? There is a way which seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. He who trusteth in his own heart is a fool. So, I'll just give you Bible verses to counter the, 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 the lyrics here. So, music fills your heart. Uh, well, that's a real fine place to start. So it's from me, it's for you, it's from me, meaning it's from Lucifer, his demons, but it's for you, it's for us as humans, to defile us. Um, it's a worldwide symphony. I'm skipping ahead. I'm pretty sure at this point it's just kind of uh, redundancy. I am the music, and I write the songs. It says, I am the music, and I write the songs. So, again, this is um, pretty blatant. Let me, let me give you a verse that relates to this as well. Okay, let me let me read you a couple few Bible verses that relate to this particular subject. Ezekiel twenty eight eleven. 
It says, Moreover, the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Son of man, take up lamentation upon the king of Tyrus. Now, this is also a, um, a portion of scripture that is used in relation to describing Lucifer. Okay, before he fell, his name was Lucifer. Once he fell, his name was Satan. Okay, um, and saying to him, Thus saith the Lord God, Thou sealest up the sum, full of wisdom and perfect in beauty. Okay, now, the Bible also says that because, because of his, um, well, it says it right here in Ezekiel twenty-eight seventeen. this is in regard to Lucifer, it says, Thine heart was lifted up because of thy beauty, thou hast corrupted thy wisdom by reason of thy brightness. Um, I will cast thee to the ground, I will lay thee before kings that thou may, that they may behold thee. And then it goes on to say, because of his merchandise, the, the multi, multitude of thy merchandise, they have filled the midst of thee with violence, and thou hast sinned. In other words, because of his merchandise, he was also lifted up. It also refers to him here, as it says, I will cast thee as profane out of the mountain of God, and I will destroy thee, O covering cherub. See, Lucifer was a cherub. He wasn't an angel, he was an angelic being, but a cherub and a seraphim are different from angels like Michael or Gabriel in the Bible. They're of a, I believe, a higher order. The seraphims literally are around the throne of God. Okay? And, and the cherubims, I believe, are right up there with the seraphims. Well, Lucifer originally was the anointed cherub. Okay? O covering cherub is, is how he's referred to. From the midst of the stones of fire. Is, is how he's referenced to in the Bible. Now, backing up a little bit to uh, verse 12, it says, Thou sealest up the sum, full of wisdom and perfect in beauty. Thou hast been in Eden, the garden of God. Now, again, this is in reference to, I, I truly believe, Lucifer here. He was in Eden, the garden of God. Every precious stone was thy covering, the sardis, the topaz, and the diamond. Now, again, Adam and Eve were the first ones humans placed in the Garden of Eden. Okay? There was no... And then they were kicked out. So this cannot be in reference to another human, and it's not in reference to Adam, and it's not in reference to Eve. This is in reference to literally Lucifer here. Thou hast been in Eden, the Garden of God. Every precious stone was thy covering. The sardis, the topaz, the diamond, the barrel, the onyx, the jasper, the sapphire, the emerald, and the carbuncle, and gold. The workmanship of thy tabrets and of thy pipes was prepared in thee in the day that thou wast created. What does that mean? The workmanship of thy tabrets and of thy pipes was prepared in thee in the day that thou wast created? Okay, so what's a tabret? It's, 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 it's a timble, timbrel or a tambourine. It was literally built into Lucifer. He was... I don't know if you want to call it the heavenly musical... I don't know. He was responsible. He literally had holy musical instruments built into him from when he was created. He was a created being. Okay? So, that's what the, the word um, tabret actually means. Okay? And then if you go further, and again, this also... It relates to uh, the workmanship of thy tabrets and thy pipes was prepared in thee in the day that thou was created. See, this is why rock music or music in general, anything, any kind of ungodly music, would be an emphasis for Satan. Because this was part of him from the very beginning. This is something that he, he is very adept at. Um, the whole subject of music. He was literally created and he had musical 
uh, capability and instruments created or built into him from the very beginning. And again, this is why um, his music can be so dangerous. So, um, and then and then we relate to, okay, the tabret of the timbrel and thy pipes. Okay. Well, thy pipes. There's a lot of instruments that have pipes to them. Trumpets, um, you know, saxophone, whatever. Okay, so the, he was an, he was a, he was musically oriented. He was the covering cherub. But he also had to do with music, and I believe it was actually heavenly music. And now, this gift that he was given has been corrupted and darkened, and he was the one that was instrumental in bring, and again, if you've ever heard that study that I did on Robert Johnson, on the Crossroads Curse, key that thing in. In the, in the keyword search box at um, ContendingForTruth.com, it was, it was how the modern-day um, Delta Blues got started and how that man made a deal with the devil and all the things that happened after that. I mean, we're talking so much overwhelming proof here. You know, there, there's also those documentaries online that you can go watch on YouTube. I believe one of them is called Hell's Bells. And... Um, you can do all kind of keyword searches on YouTube and find these amazing documentaries where they go into this stuff and prove how satanic this stuff is. And then it goes on to say in Ezekiel 28, 14, Thou art the anointed cherub that covereth, and I accept thee. Thou wast upon the holy mountain of God. Thou hast walked up and down the midst of the stones of fire. Uh, Again, something in the heavenly realm that we're not really aware of, the stones of fire. Thou was perfect in thy ways from the day that thou was created. See, Satan would like you to think he was the creator. Like John Todd, they were taught as Luciferians. Well, we were taught as witches, he said, that essentially, you know, the UFO came down and Lucifer had his son and daughter and they came and they they procreated and populated the planet. Okay. He would like you to think that he was our creator. No, 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 no. He was just a created being. He's just a deceiver. Okay, The Lord Jesus Christ is the creator. The Bible says all things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made in John 1. So, again, say he's just a liar. So, again, thou was perfect in thy ways from the day that thou was created till iniquity was found in thee. Iniquity or sin. By the multitude of thy merchandise, they have filled the midst of thee with violence, and thou hast sinned. Therefore, I will cast thee as profane out of the mountain of God. And this is when I believe Jesus said, Behold, I beheld Satan fall from heaven as like lightning. Okay? Jesus was there. He saw it. Okay? Um, Therefore, I will cast thee as profane out of the mountain of God, and I will destroy thee, O covering cherub, from the midst of the stones of fire. Thine heart was lifted up because of thy beauty... Thou was corrupted, thou hast corrupted thy wisdom by the reason of thy brightness. I mean, Satan, Lucifer, when he was this anointed cherub that covereth, before he had fell, if you were to have even have looked upon him, you would probably just die from the, from the overwhelming beauty that would have emanated from him. This is before he was, that he went over to the dark side, okay? Um, going further... I, 
It says, I will cast thee to the ground. I will lay thee before kings that thou may be, that they may behold thee. Thou hast defiled thy sanctuaries by the multitude of thine iniquities, by the iniquity of thy traffic, uh, which, which implies again, merchandise, trafficking and things. What he was actually trafficking, I don't know. But, uh, therefore will I bring forth a fire from the midst of thee. It shall devour thee. I will bring thee to ashes upon the earth in the sight of all them that behold thee. That's, in the future still, all they that know thee among the people shall be astonished at thee. Um, and again, so again, we're, we're in reference here to Lucifer, who was the one that um, really, well, obviously, this is when it all went bad. This is, this is when uh, this happened um, a long, 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 long time ago. And um, this was the fall of Lucifer. So let's go ahead. I'm going to end... Part two here, I went way over on this this particular part, and I apologize um, for those making CDs, and uh, we're going to go to part three next. So God bless you, and we'll see you in part three.